0: From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud
1: member of the Dice Tower Network. Welcome back to the Snakescast, everyone. I'm Jonathan. Joining me this week are my co hosts Todd. Hey. And Stella. Hello. Now, we often get asked, as uh, when we're doing the guru thing at uh, Snakes and Lattes, for a game that lets you be creative. And games are a great way to exercise your creative muscles. But creativity in games means different things to different people. We're going to talk a little bit about what those things are this week. So uh, do you you guys like games that let you or let you be creative or force you to be creative?
2: They're my absolute favorite kind of games.
1: Which ones? uh, in particular on top?
2: Um, I'm kind of old school. Uh, I love. I still whip out cranium with my mm-hmm. friends. Love it. Um, I love. Uh, what's what's the one? Twenty one questions. Twenty. Twenty words or less.
1: Twenty five words or less. Twenty
2: five words or less. Right. Um, I consider things like cockroach poker to be creative. Mm-hmm. Things like bang to be creative. Mm-hmm. Um, I like anything where you can talk. You can like write, draw, act get your body and your brain and your whole creative self into it.
1: How about you, Todd?
0: Well, if we're talking about what people normally mean when they talk about creative great games, the ones where they're like our Pictionaries, our Craniums, uh, uh, stuff like that, I, I'm not actually a fan. They're my least favorite type of game. How come? No. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know what it is. I'm just not Maybe it's Writer's Block? I know some friends of mine. Maybe, maybe. Mm -hmm. Some friends of mine are really big fans of Things in the Box. And they play Things in the Box constantly. And I always kind of groan when I play Things in the Box. Things in the Box, if if you don't know.
1: Yeah, that's uh, Mm -hmm. we we actually did an episode about uh, who did what games. It's probably the purest of them all, isn't it? It Probably, yeah. I don't know what that is. It works like this. Uh, You draw a card. And there's a thing on that card like you'll say things your parents never told you or things you forget you left in the refrigerator And everybody writes down one of those things and everybody tries to guess who wrote what thing and that's the game.
0: That's cute. Yeah, I have some friends who are huge fans of it (laughs) and every time they bring it out at a party I groan and sit down and try and come up with something funny.
1: I I heard a story about this Todd and that one of the possible reasons why you have a particular antipathy toward this game in particular is because guaranteed, no matter who was playing, no matter what the thing that was that was up for discussion, Todd's hot sister was going to be one of the things that somebody <laughs> was going to write down. They made, a, they made a Cards Against Humanity
0: card that was Todd's hot sister. Of course uh, they did. Yeah, of course they did. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know what it is. And you know, I'm an actor. I, I, I'm creative for a living. But for whatever reason, in game form, I don't like it.
1: Let's see if we can sort of get to the bottom of that. Um, I'm gonna talk about four different sort of uh, approaches to inc- incorporating creati- creativity into gameplay. So uh, the first one is getting somebody to guess something. This is sort of the, the archetypal one. Either you're miming stuff, because you're playing charades, or you come up with words to describe stuff, creative like taboo or catchphrase, or time's up, 25 words or less. Uh, or you're drawing stuff, or you're sculpting stuff, like you would in Pictionary or Telestrations. Um, or in weird cases, like Concept, you're putting little tokens on top of little icons on a board to try to communicate an idea.
0: I am so bad at Concept,
1: it's not <laughs> even funny. It's, it's, it's brand new. It just showed up at the cafe. It's really neat, I think. It is a very not, neat game. It's also very polarizing. You either love it or you hate it. And I haven't found anybody who's in between on that one. And, uh, and usually when people talk about a creativity game, that's probably what they're referring to. Um, the other one... The other second most common one would be making up an answer to a question. So this is like Things, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's games like Balderdash or Dictionary, Malarkey, where there's a dictionary definition everybody has to make up uh, an answer to a question or a or de- or dif- uh, definition for a word, and you're trying to pick the real one. Or you're trying to pick the best one, like you would in Snake Oil or Say Anything. Or you're trying to pick the one that somebody else wrote, like in Things or something. These, these are the main ones. Um, Todd, do you have any particular... Uh, is one of those two less... Uh, hateful than the other for you at all
0: not really
1: Both kind of the not same really. the same cloth
0: yeah I mean I, I understand why they're popular people I understand why people enjoy them uh, I recommend many of these types of games at the mm. cafe on a nightly basis but I don't particularly enjoy playing any of them
1: okay so whether it doesn't matter whether it's making up an answer to a question or getting somebody to guess something it doesn't work how about you Stella do you have a preference between um, between those two approaches? You know, getting people to guess stuff or making up answers to stuff.
2: I think getting people to guess stuff. Um, just because I think, I would say with me, 80 percent of the time, I'm playing games for fun and with people I know. Mm. And I know for fun is a weird, loose phrase. It means different things to different people. But sure. for me, it's it's not about like I'm playing this game to try and win and like do strategy and work really hard. To me, I'm yeah. sitting down with friends, we're probably having a few beers, we're also kind of trying to get to know each other through these games to me a lot of times. And things like that, you get to kind of like learn things about people, you get to prove that you know things about people. It's kind of interesting the way you suss people out to be like, oh I bet I can extract this thing from you this way because I know your frame of reference. Interesting. I would, interesting. I would imagine
1: that, uh, that that would be better suited to the making up answers bit. Something like Dixit, for example, or, uh, or Balderdash, or, uh, or Say Anything. It's like, I know this is the kind of answer that you would write.
2: Yeah, I mean, both are interesting to me. I just, I'm the kind of person who likes to get up and act something out and, like, show things and do things. I'm a very physical person, so... That's true. You're not
1: going to get physical yeah. with making up answers, yeah. but you will with something like, uh, like charades. Yeah. Interesting. Those are the two most obvious ones, then. You know, getting somebody to guess stuff, making up answers to questions. But I've found at least two other major avenues of creativity in gameplay. And these are not the things that people are generally talking about when they're asking me for, well, when's something where we can be creative? Um, one of them is making up stories. Uh, a game that I've loved ever since I was a wee lad is Dungeons and & Dragons. And mm-hmm. that is effectively improvisational theater. You and your friends are making up a story together, like a TV series, and every time you get together you do the next episode. The game doesn't actually you know, end when you finish playing because you want to find what happens next week. It's like the end of a TV series episode again. Um, so that's, that, that's, that's hugely creative, and it's very, very demanding from a creative standpoint, too. Um, Todd, I'm guessing that's a bit more appealing to you than uh, the, uh, the previous kind we were talking
0: Oh, about. definitely, definitely. Um, because it, the, the creativity has a, has a context. And um, I've been playing role-playing games since I was a teenager, and I, I, that sort of creativity I love.
1: Nerd Boys represent. Yep. So have you had the opportunity to play RPGs?
2: No, and I'm so jealous.
1: <laughs> I've always
2: like this is sort of like this point of contention for me, sidebar, but I've always wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons. And We've
1: got to get you in. Never on some been, of been our invited. For this. <laughs> the
2: community episode about Dungeons and Dragons Dragons is my favorite. So good. Episode. So good. I love that episode. <laughs> oh my god. I just want to play that game so bad.
1: I think I, that may actually have been the best treatment of role-playing games I've ever seen on television. I just, they got it.
2: I'm so interested in doing that and being creative in that way. I've just never actually been invited to play.
1: Okay, we have to change that.
2: And I would like to do that. So t- having never played that, I think that would be awesome. I'm really intrigued by that whole world.
1: So uh, in addition, there are other ways you can make up stories in games too. Uh, you may be, uh, it's a game about making up a story. Something like Once Upon a Time, for example, where you have a hand of cards with different things that could appear in a fairy tale, like a princess or a thief or a betrayal or an escape. And you just you just start telling a story. Once Upon a Time, there was a play your card and every time you mention something it's on one of your cards you can play that card and your goal is to play all your cards and finish with your ending but the story has to kind of make sense at least as far as fairy tales make sense so you're, you're making up a story there and that's really demanding in terms of creativity mm-hmm. um, and then sometimes you'll take a game where it's not about making up a story but you do anyway to make it interesting something like a touch of evil for example um, or in that game well technically all you're doing is you're rolling a die you're moving your piece you're drawing a card and find what happens to you but It's so much more than that. If you just imagine why your character would be over there doing this thing and why these things would fit together.
0: where there's a game like Gloom, which,
1: oh, yeah, that's, which is
0: a, a really a, not a good game unless you have a story attached with it. With a story attached with it, it's a lovely experience.
1: And you have to make up that story. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. You're know, you playing the cards and you're scoring the points and stuff, but the key is like, well, why was she being mocked by midgets? Why was he chastised <laughs> by the church? How does this fit in with the stories that were told by these other characters? Have you played Gloom?
2: I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's, it's,
1: it's basically a card game where you are trying to make your family as depressed as possible before they die. That's the game. Yeah And you play cards on these different family members that cause unfortunate things to happen to them. You can also attack the other players by playing cards on their family that cheer them up oh. And uh, eventually you kill them oh. so that they die and the more miserable your family is at their death, the more points you score. It's weird. Yeah uh, but of course the the narratives that you wind up getting, especially <laughs> if you play with people who are into it, are really something. So that, that's one of them, making up stories. That's, that's something that, uh, that, that, that a, a form of creativity that occurs in gameplay. And then the last one, and probably the most obscure kind, is intellectual creativity. Um, Bobby Fischer was kind of famous as a chess grandmaster who found creative ways of approaching situations playing chess. And if, if, if somebody says, I want something to, get to be creative and I bring out chess, then yeah, that's, that's not really gonna go over. Um, something like uh, if you're playing a game like Suburbia, which is a game about so it's like Sim City. you're building a little city each player's got their own little city and it's like well you know, I'm just, I'm just going to build all corporate stuff we just have this grim corporate hellscape and that's going to be my burrow and it's going to be awesome uh, there's creativity there um, certainly and uh, have you guys ever played any of these collectible card games like Magic the Gathering, something like that
0: yeah, I played Warlord, Saga of the Storm back in the day. Wow. was there, battle tech. Was there a lot
1: of latitude for creative deck building in that? Or? Oh, certainly.
0: Certainly. I mean, any any of those collectible card games, there's going to be a lot of latitude for building stuff. Or or even the, the miniature games. Like if you're playing Warhammer or sure. you're trying to build your army or whatever. These are games
1: works. where you get to sort of build your own sort of approach. You have, you have your collection of cards and there's zillions of them. Uh, but you don't bring them all. You just bring some of them. You pick, okay, I'm going to pick these and these and these and these and I'm going to play with these and that's going to mm-hmm. be my game. So you get to sort of do a bit of creative self-expression. Are you going to play a red deck that just does a whole lot of burn and blowing away enemies? Or are you going to play a white deck that's about protecting the stuff that you have? Or are you going to play a blue deck that's very brainy and controlling? It's like, nope, you don't get to do that. Nope, you don't get to do that. Oh, okay, fine. You can do that. Um.
2: (laughs) The only one out of these that I've played and I really do like is Once Upon a Time. Oh, yeah. And I like it because... I think, if I remember correctly, the group kind of gets to judge and be like, "No, that's the wrong sense. You're cut. No, right? Is that right?" It's
1: true. Yeah, yeah. What you do has to kind of, sort of, kind of make sense. And,
2: and the group can be like, "No, that was lame. That yep. is not a story." And then
1: your turn's over. You're you done. draw two cards. Yes. Pass the player on your left. <laughs> that didn't happen. And it's the only way anything can ever get negated in that game too. It's like the rules of improv apply. Which I love. So yeah. a
2: person could be like, my knight went to the store and bought a bag of sugar and then the princess came along because she really loved sugar and then I <laughs> went home and they baked a cake and you could just keep going and be really animated about it and people just let you go. As <laughs> you long as know? it stays yeah.
1: interesting and as long as it, it doesn't the contradict itself. Thing.
2: And I, I kind of love that as a game because it becomes almost collaborative.
1: It does. Because people mm-hmm. have to
2: be with you in it.
1: And then when somebody else picks up the story where you yeah. left off, they're gonna continue it. They are mm-hmm. gonna try to steer it towards their ending. Sure. They're gonna try and change the outcome, but they can't erase anything that you did before. Yeah, uh, They can sort of modify it. Like I, I could say, uh, I, I can't say, if you said that they, they met an old man on the road or something, I can't actually say that this didn't happen. What I could say is the old man was actually the Wicked Baron in disguise. Um, that's, but that's
2: kind of a womp womp. <laughs> You know, like, like pop out. I suppose. Unless you
1: make it awesome, though. Right. If you build it up with, you know, do the foreshadowing and stuff and it's like, oh, we trust you, old man. Like, uh-oh. Yes. You, you get everybody anticipating it. But again, that's that's a really intense, really demanding level of creativity. That's, that's hard.
2: Definitely. And I think, again, it's like the kind of people you choose to play that kind of game with have to be the right people and have to be game and have to be into it.
1: Mm-hmm. So there's our four approaches to creativity in games: getting somebody to guess something in a creative way, making up a creative answer to a question, making up creative stories, and intellectual creativity. Now, those first two are the big ones. When I'm when I'm when I'm when I'm doing the guru job and I'm asked to bring out a game that involves being creative, I know they're always talking about those first two. They're never talking about the uh, the second two. And generally speaking, if I try to bring one out that involves the second two, if I try to bring out Once Upon a Time that usually tends to be met with a bit of skepticism and sometimes distaste. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not what they want in a lot of cases. So why do we define creativity in games this way? As this sort of thing that has to be in that mold of charades or balderdash and, and, and not in the Dungeons & Dragons or Say Anything or Chess sort of way. Why is that?
0: Well I think when it comes to the people who come into Snakes Most of them, what they're looking for is creativity in a very short commitment. Mm. You know what I mean? um, If you're playing one of these games like Taboo or Catchphrase or Charades or whatever, I have to be creative for a few seconds. Mm. I don't have to carry that creativity through an entire story or through an entire strategy. Yeah, of course. So I think that's really... Uh, the key is that people want to be creative, they enjoy being creative, but they don't want to invest a lot of time and a lot of mental energy into it.
1: Yeah, maybe it's late and they're tired, they've had a long week at work. What do you think Stella? Is there, is there something else going on there?
2: Uh, I think there's something about like recognizing the amount of creative you need to be. Like if you know you need to act out this word, you know that word, you need to show your friends that word. Hmm. Cool, I can do that. If you need to make up a whole story, that's something that's like unrecognizable. That's a, that's work. That's like homework. <laughs> and to some people, that's that's not what they're there for. They're there to have a good time. They're not there to work. Certain people, that's great. That's a good kind of work. But again, it's, it, it's like knowing your audience.
1: Absolutely. You
2: you ask these people. Okay. Do you do you want to do you want to create something from scratch here? Or do you want to just sort of use half your brain and use your other half to concentrate on your beer and your food and your friends? <laughs> and I think that's a fair question. And a lot, of, a lot I think a lot of people, like, more intense gamers judge that.
1: It's true. I'm guilty of that yeah. sometimes. I, uh, but the thing is, that it's mostly a fear of being judged myself. <laughs> I've, I've got a bit of a nerd yeah. persecution complex when it comes to this. Yeah. But you, you got to think
2: about it, that That's your job. Yeah, them playing games is not their job. They're yeah. there for fun. They're not <laughs> there for their job.
1: Here's the thing, though. I was passionate about it before it was my job, <laughs> and yeah. I and I yeah. felt kind of uh, you know excluded and stuff by uh, even before. Because here's the thing, um, there is um, there there is definitely a stigma, and there still is. I mean, it's, it's people talk about oh, nerdery is mainstream because Game of Thrones is on TV. No. As, as, as long as I can tell somebody I play Dungeons and Dragons and have their shoulders sag and after them go, oh, really? <laughs> it's not mainstream.
2: But you can see that now with a lot less uh, shoulder sagging
1: than <laughs> 10 years ago. It's true.
2: I can absolutely say that for a
1: fact. You're right. And uh, here's hoping that 10 and 20 and 30 years from now that will get less and less. And also, I think that uh, as that stigma gets less and less, people will feel more bold Mm -hmm. about stepping into those waters, about trying that stuff out. Because it is a lot of responsibility, you know? If If you're playing a game and you have to decide whether somebody else's character lives or dies that's a big deal and not everybody's gonna want that sort of responsibility sometimes you just want to relax and play a freaking Mm -hmm. game Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and I think there's also a lot of fear that we're not gonna be good enough we're not gonna be creative enough we're not gonna be skilled enough because I mean you you get people playing taboo or something like that for the most part people don't worry about it get somebody playing charades well it's fine as long as I can guess and I don't have to get up and act stage Mm -hmm. fright Mm -hmm. is a huge deal And the greater the responsibility, the more demanding the game is, the more intense the stage fright is likely to get. So it's sort of an ongoing thing. Though.
2: And it's also there in a public place. They're yes, not,
1: it's true being playing they're snakes is one thing. Yeah, I tell you, when I invite you to play D&D, it's not going to be at Snakes and Lattes. It's not going to be at a cafe. It's going to be someplace well, where Well, I we can... have no
2: shame, but most people do. They're My fellow 100 players 100 do. <laughs> they don't want to look a fool to the hundred people around them mm. or their friends who they may or may not know very well or their date, their first date. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of levels to teaching strangers or picking a game for strangers mm-hmm. that will be comfortable for them to play in a public space. You don't know the relationship of these people. You don't know how much they can give to each other. That's why a lot of people, I think, will choose these surface games where they can just kind of giggle and laugh and everything's on this certain surface. Because they, maybe they don't know each other that well. Maybe they work Absolutely, and, you know? uh,
1: and maybe they'll work uh, through to other stuff yeah. or maybe they'll remain comfortable at that level. Right? That's all good too. Yeah thanks for listening everyone we hope you've enjoyed this look at creativity in games until next time i'm jonathan with todd and stella game on see ya thank you thanks for listening you can find more from the game gurus by subscribing to the snakes and lattes youtube channel or by visiting our blog just go to snakesandlattes.com and click where it says blog up near the top of the page until next week i'm pt douglas game on